this is the band, like the ghost. And I apologize, I got a cold, so my voice is a little different. But um, Get Up To Him Raw is our latest track that we worked on yesterday. And we're going to talk about how that relates to our expansive sound. And we are a big proponent of using hardware workflow with uh, recorders directly on hardware sense rather than using a digital audio workstation or a DAW. And uh, the lead singer of Hamburger Ghost, Josephine Electric, who is a creation of subtractive synthesis via courtesy the Roland uh, VT4 um, vocal transformer, has a big diatribe in this song about how she ain't using no fucking DAW, that she's going to record raw. And that's pretty much the whole focus of this song. So the song was initially created by taking a Moog drummer from another mother and running a loop, uh, a, a controlled voltage loop through a math utility module for make noise to create the the bass, heavy bass dump that you hear that's repetitive. And then we played <clears throat> using the ladder filters and the resonance and popping between uh, oscillators one and two and popping between doing um, basically, um, uh, you know, synced oscillators, <clears throat> using oscillator sync and then turn it on, turn it off. And then the whole point of using these analog synths is um, if you record them raw instead of using a DAW and you play the filters as you record them, you can get a very realistic, um, almost live-like performance and it capture it, you know, on our Zoom R24 we don't lose any bandwidth, we don't get any compression, and we get a sound that we want. And then we also do this kind of stream of consciousness where we do the lyrics live, we kind of do them on the cu- off the cuff. We have maybe an idea that we put down and then we kind of elaborate on it as we feel it. So we, we started in this whole game as a poet. We published a lot of poetry back when we were in our 20s, and we take this kind of poetic slam poetry slam kind of you know concept and then you know similar to what dylan used to do we're big fans of dylan and connor roberts and, and neil young but we want to kind of bring that to electronic music and so we record you know like the almond brothers record like live recordings of new tracks and then we do overdubs where we're appropriate so this song basically was a was a romp using our analog gear, mostly the Moog, um, DFAM. We also have the Mother 32, but it's very low. And then we have our trusty Juno GI. We're doing our guitar synth patches um, that we, we play live. And so, you know, Josephine just basically saying, you know, you get to, you need to give people the music raw. They need, to, they need to understand electronic music has to have some life in it. It can't be just cold. It should have some kind of power and they shouldn't just be a bunch of loops, fruity loops stacked together and sounding uh, pristinely perfect um, and not having any kind of, like the whole thing of what we believe in is in music, the the mistakes or the happy accents or timing changes because you're playing live add character to the song and shouldn't be disregarded or cleaned up so much that all you get is a perfect mix. 
<clears throat> I think anybody who works with Euroracks and uses analog sense understands what I'm talking about. That that kind of live feel. And, and initially, when the Moog created his Moog, he, he, he talked about how they were live instruments and you should play them live, kind of like the way jazz people play music live. And, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent and uh, lover of uh, Coltrane and, and lover of uh, Sun Ra. And a lot of these bands, you know, the way jazz bands operate is they, they have a concept, they have a, a groove, they write it, they got it down, but then they elaborate. And every time you see them, they're going to do that song a little differently. It's not going to be running off a sequence or doing it the same way every freaking time. Um, and that's what we're about. We're about that kind of collision of the senses, the expansive sound uh, of, of kind of, you know, giving it all, your all, but doing it in a way that makes your music unique. And every time you approach it, you know, can we go back and play any of our songs? We can play them straight off our sequence if we wanted to, but we tend to, to elaborate and kind of change them. So, if, you know, the point of seeing the ghost is we're not going to play the song the same way all the time. And even when we do our live uh, performances, we've done that a bunch of times and what we do on Facebook live and we'll, we'll reinterpret like September our rock opera, or we'll go back and play a new version of when Miss Electric comes to town. Uh, we, we just like to go approach our music because as a musician, it's fun to actually do that. And I understand you know, like if you're a classical musician, you're going to play the ninth symphony exactly as was, it was written, but not maybe not true because the, your, your conductor is going to emphasize certain parts based on what he feels that music should be. So even if you go see a classical symphony, the conductor is going to present that piece how he interprets, interprets Beethoven or Bach. And it might not be the same as another conductor. So even a piece of music that you think is pretty much being run uh, or being um, presented in a similar way, and you'll hear those themes, and you'll hear the core themes of that music. But how it's interpreted and where the emphasis happens is going to be different based on the conductor, and that's what I'm trying to talk about. And then sometimes with the DAW or these uh, sequencers or doing Ableton Live, you don't do that. Now you get some people, you know, the guitar player will probably play a live lead. That's probably not exactly what was on the record. But too much of the song is, is, is basically the same. It's kind of like what the Eagles used to do with Hotel California. They kind of did a mind-numbing thing where they, they wanted to play the album exactly as it was on the radio. And it made the tour not fun for everybody in the band. I mean, it basically made it a, 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 a chore. They would have been better served if they had realized that playing that album differently every time would have given people a lot of different variations, like the way Pearl Jam or Dead play. And hearing a different take on it would probably have been musically a smarter thing to do rather than trying to do a money-making idea of making it sound exactly like the top 40 hit. So that's my soapbox there. The other song we have is a song we call Fuck Harder where it's an OPZ song, totally done on the Teenage Engineering OPZ. We used the sampler, and buried in the sample is that chant, fuck harder. And um, that's that's just a, a use of, a, of that tool. We like that song. We like doing instrumentals. We like being a little risque. And, um, you know, we, we that song is kind of what it is, what it represents. And uh, if you don't... <laughs> not into that kind of uh, <clears throat> sonic deviance, then you know, skip it. But um, 
we're very excited that we have our new Patreon up. If you like what we're doing, uh, we do have our new album, The Flower That Blooms at Midnight in a Tomb on Amazon.com. And what we're offering is if you're into the ghost and you want to help us out through Patreon, we will send you the CD of The Flower That Blooms at Midnight in a Tomb. And this album was 90% of it was constructed on a teenager during LPZ. So if you want to see or hear or feel what that's like, you can get the physical CD and play it. Again, it's on Amazon.com. We've got a link here if you just want to buy it. But if you want to support us uh, and, and on Patreon to get that album, you've got to send us uh, more than what the album costs. So the album costs $10. If you want to support us, you got to send us at least $20 donation. This goes toward our touring efforts in the U.S., so that we can get a hotel and a U-Haul van to go do tours in New York City and Boston. This also goes toward our fund for equipment. Where we want to get a Moog Matriarch, and uh, we want to look into getting the Roland Phantom and also some new recording equipment. In between that, if we don't get certain goals, we might look at the Hydrosynth, which is like $1,300. Looks like a really good choice for modern synthesis. It's uh, here, unlike the UDO Super 6, which is a similar type of synth, uh, though it's not FGPA, um, but it is a modern take on uh, digital synthesis, which is pretty cool. It's a wavetable synth, so it's not something that hasn't been around. But we're also really interested in, um, that we're probably nowhere near, is Analog Solutions has come out with a synth called the Colossus, which is like a $30,000 synth that is a rep location of an EMS type of synth with their famous EMS, um, like my battleship grid for modulation, which was a grid where you actually put in little, little um, battleship like pegs into a grid to change the modulation matrix without using a CV line. And the cool thing was about the original EMS VC3 was that those little pegs were not always exactly electronically stable so when you use them they had different tolerances or voltage uh, responses so that when you use those grids and different pegs it wasn't consistent in how they were constructed so the sounds that you use when you created that grid would be always very different so you know the typical thing of an analog synth who kind of goes back into our nature is analog synths give you this capability to do sounds that you can't capture digitally and the fact that a lot of these synth companies are coming are, are creating these kind of monster machines, you know, you can get a Model 1 or Model 2 from Moog. You can get a Model 33, you get a Model 55. Now this Colossus comes out, which is like an EMS uh, high-end clone uh, or modern version. It has an oscilloscope. It's got voltmeters. It's got a touchpad to nod to the new. Uh, it's got, like I don't know, 12 oscillators. The, the, the peg grid from the EMS VC3. There's a lot of cool stuff. And even like the Hydrosynth is a nod to the um, the CS80 because it's got a ribbon strip and polyphonic aftertouch. And so I would like to tell you, you know, if you think about as a musician, I would argue like a soft synth, again, all these people talk about the soft synths. Well, soft synths are subject to your iOS or your, your system being stable. And if it's an upgrade, then some of your soft synth modules don't work anymore. Or you've got to make a choice about doing that. And if you get a hardware synth, my Juno has been stable since I bought it in 2008. And I don't have to worry about some kind of upgrade blowing it up. 
And in addition, you get something like a Hydrosynth, you get a ribbon controller from a CSAV, and you get polyphonic aftertouch, which you can't do, really, on a soft synth. So there's certain things about analog synths in terms of their variable behavior and their natural behavior when they have to warm up and not warm up. If you use it when it's not warmed up or you use it when it's hot, it behaves differently. It will give you a sound that you can't get from a DAW. You can't get from a from a sample digital synth because it doesn't behave that way because it's not physically trying to warm up. So you can get all kinds of weird, weird responses from analog synths. And I know people say it costs too much money, but if you count all the plugins you buy and all the upgrades you have to do to your PC, you probably could buy a Eurorack. You probably could buy um, a hardware synth like a Hydrosynth, which a Hydrosynth kind of shows you, oh yeah, well, you probably could do that all through plugins, but the fact that you can't get the ribbon and you can't get the polyphonic aftertouch and the knob function capability of actually using those knobs in real time give you something that I don't think you physically can do on the PC as well as you can do it on hardware. So you don't have to buy millions of these type of hardware sense if you have like a Eurorack and you buy these modules, they're analog and digital, you will have so much variability in your sound that you wouldn't need to buy a lot of different soft sense because your hardware synth can create so many tones that you don't really need to keep on buying all these modules. You can just keep on reapproaching how you create your sound. I'm two years into having my Moogs and I have not run out and I will never run out of ways to create sound with them. So that's just the argument and you, you don't have to spend a lot of money. Mother 32s and DFAMs are $600 each. Um, you know, a 6U is like $300 and you can just build what you want, a very customized hardware synth. So that's me on my soapbox and I'll talk, stop talking for now and we'll talk to you later. Flip this. I'm not your little miss. In fact, you're my trick. Cause I flipped it.
Yeah. 